Central. And I hope the things that we talk about tonight will be helpful to us as we strive to understand God's will more perfectly. Israel has been in the news a lot lately with the war that's going on over there. And Israel is in the news a lot in general with conflicts that are in the Middle East. And there is a lot of confusion in our world today about Israel and uh, their relationship to what at one point was the promised land for them, Palestine. What is the relationship of Israel to Palestine? In Genesis chapter 12, God makes three very important promises. And these are really pivotal in the history of the Old Testament because for the remainder of the Old Testament, we're going to see these promises being fulfilled. And ultimately, they're fulfilled in Christ Jesus. In, Gen in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, in Genesis chapter 12, beginning verse 1, Now the Lord sa had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and, and your, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Tonight, I want to look at the land, land promise. Some say that Israel still has a right to the promised land. And some say Israel will again possess the land because it is God's will that they possess it. We want to look at the scriptures about that tonight. And some people say that Israel is still God's chosen people. The physical nation of Israel is still God's chosen people. For example, televangelist Jerry Falwell said this, God has raised up America in these last days for the cause of world evangelism and for the protection of his people, the Jews. I don't think America has any other right or reason for existence than those two purposes. To stand against Israel is to stand against God, he said. That we need to protect the Jews because they're still God's chosen people and they still have a right to the promised land, to Palestine. What does the Bible say about that? I want to warn you tonight, I've got a lot of scriptural references, and I want to try and keep this uh, from being just a dry uh, recitation of these scriptural references, but I think it's important that we look to the scriptures, to this promise, to how it was fulfilled, and ask if there are still any unfulfilled aspects to that promise, and if that land still is the possession, or should be the possession of the physical nation of Israel. I don't want to comment about politics. And I don't want to comment about whether or not uh, the nation of Israel has any right to exist. And, if, I, I don't, and if, who's right in this war that's going on, I don't care about that. I want to look at just what the scriptures tell us about Israel. Are they still God's chosen people? And do they still have a right to Palestine? So, first off, we have to acknowledge that God made land promises to Abraham. And he made very specific land promises to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 that we just read... God said to Abram, get out of your country from a land and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Abraham was to get to a land that God would show him. Beyond just that, God promised them that land. In, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so God promises land to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. God gave Abram land. And in verse 18 of chapter 15, 
On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so he starts to get specific in the land that he's going to give him. There will be more specificity as time goes on as to what this land is that God has promised to Abram. But God made promises to Abram regarding a land, a promised land. And as we go on throughout the Old Testament narrative, we find out that God fulfilled that land promise. The scriptures are very clear on the fact that God fulfilled the promises to Abraham with regard to land. There are a lot of references in the Old Testament that talk about this. God told when he would fulfill this promise in Exodus chapter 6. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 4. God says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I've also heard of the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments." I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. And so God is telling Moses, hey, I know what's going on in Egypt, and I also know I made a promise. We're going to get the people out of Egypt, and we're going to take them to the promised land. I'm going to give them that land to inherit. And Moses understood this was the fact. In Numbers chapter 10, verse 29, in Numbers chapter 10, verse 29, Now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us. We will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. Moses says, hey, we're going to that land. You want to come with us? And when they were about to go into the promised land, notice what, uh, what uh, Moses says to the people. In, Mo in number, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6, the Lord your, our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them and their descendants after them. Moses says, you're going in to this land, and he references some of those boundaries that we'd already seen. You're going in to take that land that God had promised to our forefathers. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5, it is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you. And that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. He says you're going in so God can fulfill his promises. God had made those promises to Abraham. We did not reference those verses, though we could, where he also made the same land promise to Isaac and to Jacob. God made those promises. And now he's going to fulfill those promises as the children of Israel go into the land of Canaan. Moses gave Joshua this commission in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7. Be strong and of good courage, for you must go in with his people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. Moses, as he's passing the baton to Joshua, says you're going to go in, 
so that they can inherit the land that God has promised them. This is coming to pass at this time. And God gave this commission to Joshua as well in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Joshua 1 verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, uh, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon and as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea going toward, uh, down, going, to the, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua was going to help the Israelites possess the land that God had sworn to the fathers. And God did what he said he was going to do. Notice what Joshua says about this. In Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. Joshua 24, verse 43. So the Lord gave, all Israel, gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies to their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Pretty definitive language, isn't it? Pretty definitive language that God had fulfilled the promises that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. But it goes on. Joshua acknowledges this as well in Joshua 23, verse 12. In Joshua 23, verse 12. Or else, if indeed you go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them, and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in your, all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all failed. Therefore, the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all the good things that have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all hurtful, harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Moses says you've got it all, or Joshua says you, you've got the promises that God had made to you. They've been fulfilled. And we'll talk about how there was a condition placed upon that. The Levites living in the days of Nehemiah said this about God's promises and how they had been fulfilled. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 7 beginning. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out of the Ur of, Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. And you found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land, uh, uh, to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it to his descendants. Notice this. You have performed your words for you are righteous. God had performed his words. He had made good on his promises. That's what they say in the book of Nehemiah. The psalmist says this as well in Psalm 105, verse 8. Whoops, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Psalm 105, verse 8 once, uh, says, he, he remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. 
and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment for your inheritance. When they were few in number, indeed very few and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one king to another, drop down to verse 42. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations that they may observe his statutes to keep his laws. Praise the Lord. God remembered his promises. He made good on his promises. Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 21 beginning. Jeremiah 32, beginning verse 21. You have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. Jeremiah says, God had fulfilled his promises. We have to establish the fact that God has fulfilled His promises so that we can prove that God doesn't have any other promises that He still needs to fulfill to the physical nation of Israel. God fulfilled His promises. Finally, this, this evening, I want to show you another proof that God has fulfilled His promises, and that is around the cities of refuge. You will remember in the Old Testament that there were cities of refuge where if you had accidentally had killed someone, you could flee to that city of refuge to avoid the family members of that, uh, of that victim coming and taking uh, revenge on you. You could flee to that city of refuge if you were innocent. Now, they were to establish three cities of refuge, but it says if, we get, if you get, are given all the land, establish six cities of refuge. Notice this in Deuteronomy chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. When the Lord dwell in their cities and their homes, you shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself and divide it into three parts, the territory of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. That any manslayer may flee there. So they were going to have three cities. But if they got all of the city, uh, all of the territory that they had been promised, they were to add three more cities to that for a total of six. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, beginning verse 7, Therefore I command you, saying, You shall separate three cities for yourself. Now if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as He swore to your fathers, and gives you the land which He promised to give to your fathers, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to walk in His ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three, lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, thus guilt of bloodshed be upon you. You see, there were three cities they were to establish. If God fulfills His promise and gives them all of the land that He had promised to their fathers, they were add, to add three more for a total of six cities of refuge. Well, how many cities did they have? Joshua chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, and that is probably too small for you to read. Joshua chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, says that they established six cities meaning that they had inherited all the land that God had promised Abraham. Notice in Joshua 20, beginning of verse 1. The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer or the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there. And they shall be a refuge from the avenger of blood. 
And when he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares in his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally, but did not hate him beforehand. He shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Then the slayer may return and come into his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. So they appointed Kadesh in Galilee in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kerjath Arabah, which is in Hebron in the mountains of Judah, of Reuben, Ramah of the Jordan. By Jericho eastward they assigned Bezer in the wilderness of the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them, that whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. How many cities did they make? They made six, didn't they? That shows that they had fulfilled, God had fulfilled his promises, and he had given them all of the land. All of the land was given. God fulfilled the land promised Abraham. Therefore, there are no outstanding promises that God made to Abraham that he has not fulfilled. He promised he would make them a great nation. He did that in the land of Egypt. They came out as a great nation in the land of Egypt. They, told, they were told when they go there that they would be made a great nation in Egypt. That was fulfilled. When they came out, they were a great nation. He told them he would give them a land promise. We've shown here that he fulfilled that promise, that he gave them the land. And God told him in his seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. And the New Testament is clear that that promise was fulfilled in our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. God fulfilled his promises to Abraham. He, specifically, he filled the, fulfilled the land promised to Abraham. The Old Testament goes on, though, and tells us that Israel dwelling in the land of promise was predicated upon their faithfulness. God said, you can stay in this land if you'll be faithful to me. But if you won't be faithful to me, I'm going to drive you out of the land. Notice in Leviticus chapter 26, and that's small type as well. I'm sorry about that. Leviticus chapter 26, beginning of verse 27. Leviticus 26, beginning of verse 27. After all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. We remember in Old Testament history, how that actually happened where they literally ate the flesh of your carcasses on the lifeless forms of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you. I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation. I will not smell the fragrance of your sweet aromas. I will bring the land to desolation and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. The land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into the, their hearts in the land of their enemies. The sound of a shaken leaf shall cause them to flee. They shall flee as though fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when no one pursues. They shall stumble over one another as it were before a sword when no one pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. You shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. 
And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity, in their enemy, in your enemies' lands, and your in their, in their fathers' iniquities, which are with them, they shall waste away. God said, "You can stay in this land, but if you're not faithful to me, I'm going to send you to your enemies." And He says that they would be driven from the land. In Deuteronomy chapter four, beginning verse twenty-five. Deuteronomy four, beginning verse twenty-five. When you beget children and grandchildren, have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything. And do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land when you, which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. And you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord, your God, the Lord will drive you. And there are nor eat nor smell. They were going to be driven from the land, it says. And over and over again, we see that. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll skip that one for sake of time. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 19, talks about this. That they would be driven from the land when they disobeyed. And, uh, and they would cease to be a nation, Deuteronomy chapter 8 says. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19, notice this. Deuteronomy 8, beginning verse 19. Then it shall be... If you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. The nation of Israel would perish if they weren't faithful. God was clear about that in chapter 30, verse 17. But if uh, your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. Over and over and over again. It says if you'll be faithful, you'll dwell in the land. If you're unfaithful, you'll be driven from it. You'll cease to exist as a nation. And Joshua 23 verses 12 through 16 says this as well. And all of these things happened. Israel, in spite of all that God had given them, and in spite of all of the wonderful miracles that they had seen coming out of Egypt, in spite of all the deliverance that God had given them, they soon turned their back on God and wouldn't serve those lifeless idols which they could neither see nor hear. And they served those false gods, and God punished them for that. In 2 Kings chapter 17, uh, verses 7 through 18, that's 17, that should be through 18 there, and that's small type. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning, 17, beginning verse 7. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, and had brought them, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods, and had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel, and of the kings of Israel which they had made. Also the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right, they built for themselves high places in all their cities, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. They, there they burned incense on all the high places, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger, for they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah, by all of his prophets, every seer saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. 
Nevertheless, they would not hear, but, stiff but stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made for themselves a molded image and two casts, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practiced witchcraft and soothsaying and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord from his sight. And there was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. Israel, the nation of Israel, you remember in the divided kingdom, the northern nation was exceedingly wicked and God removed them. They were taken away. And it says here, all that remained was the tribe of Judah alone. And when the remaining tribes sinned, it was removed as well in 2 Kings chapter 23. 2 Kings chapter 23, beginning verse 26. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath, with which his anger was aroused against Judah because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sight as I have removed Israel and will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. Judah ultimately turned their back on God. God punished them. Yet he said when he sent them to captivity that that captivity would only last 70 years and then a remnant would be returning to the land. In Jeremiah chapter 25, Jeremiah chapter 25, beginning in verse 8. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of a bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass, when 70 years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord. I will make it a perpetual desolation. So I will bring on, it, on that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied concerning the nations." Jeremiah said that this, this captivity would last 70 years. We see a similar instruction or statement in Isaiah chapter 10, verses 20 through 23, which we will skip for the sake of time tonight. And after that 70 years was complete, we do see that a remnant returned. Ezra, Zerubbabel, and Nehemiah returned the people to Israel. But they were just a remnant at that time. They were not anything like they had been before. In Jeremiah chapter seven, or 19, beginning of verse 7. Jeremiah 19, beginning of verse 7. And I will make void the counsel of Judah and Jerusalem in this place. And I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies. And by the hands of those who seek their lives, their corpses I will give as meat for the birds of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth. I will make this, and I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. And everyone shall eat the flesh of his friend in the siege and in the de desperation with which their enemies and those who seek to their lives shall drive them to despair. Then you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Even so I will break this people in this city, as one breaks a potter's vessel which cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in uh, Tophet till there is no place to bury. Thus I will do to this place, says the Lord, and to its inhabitants. 
and make this city like Tophet. And the houses of Jerusalem and the houses of the kings of Judah shall be defiled like the place of Tophet, because of all the houses on whose roofs they have burned incense to all the host of heaven, and poured out a drink, a drink offerings to other gods. Israel was going to be punished, and they would be uh, uh, just a remnant after this. The promise was conditional. Israel had to obey God to remain in the land. Now, therefore, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 8, In the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for, to your children after you forever. Judah ultimately would, would disobey God, turn their back on God, and God would abandon them. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9 says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. The land was given to the children of Israel on the condition that they would be faithful. And throughout history, we see that they weren't. And they were driven from that land. So God fulfilled his promise. He made, made promises. He fulfilled those promises. Those promises were conditional. And then I want to tell you tonight that the promised land was not the ultimate goal of the patriarchs. You know, this, this idea that the promised land is some kind of prize that Israel still has a right to and they still need to be there. I'll tell you, the patriarchs were looking for something much better than the promised land. They were looking for a spiritual city. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 these all died in faith, speaking of the patriarchs, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them. Embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The patriarchs, they ultimately desired a heavenly country. And that needs to be our desire as well. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. We are a spiritual country now. We're not looking for this, this physical promised land. The promised land was not the ultimate goal of the patriarchs. And finally, Israel is no longer God's chosen people. Physical Israel is no longer God's chosen people. We've been studying the epistles about this over and over again, haven't we? The book of Romans, God's chosen people anymore. Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 26, for example, says this very clearly. Galatians chapter 3, beginning verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is no uh, special people of the Jewish descent today that God views as his people. As Jerry Falwell said, we have to exist to protect the Jewish people. 
No, the Jewish people today, the spiritual Israel today, are those who are following Christ, who are doing His will. And that is both physical Jew and Gentile. All are God's people that are following Him. There is no specific physical nation today that are God's chosen people. I hope the things we've talked about this evening are helpful to you. And I know it's been a lot of verses and a lot of reading. Uh, but if you've got questions about that, I'd like to talk with you about it. And if you would like to have uh, these verses for reference, if you didn't get them all jotted down, I'll be glad to, to share them with you. There are some objections that some will make that we can cover in another lesson. Um, uh, we've covered a lot tonight. Um, and I had, had planned to talk about some of those objections, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. The nation of Israel was given incredible promises by God. And the things that are written in the Old Testament were written for our learning. Revelation, or Romans tells us that. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. The things that were written before time were written for our learning. So what do we learn from this? What do we learn from the things that we've looked at tonight? Well, God made incredible promises to the nation of Israel. And God kept His promises. God, when He makes promises, He keeps those promises. And we can take God's promises to the bank. God always keeps His promises. He makes promises and He fulfills promises. We also see that God makes promises that are conditional, doesn't He? Just as He made those promises to the nation of Israel, they were conditional that you have to be faithful to me. God makes conditional promises to us as well. If we'll submit to Him, He'll save us. We'll be with Him forever and eternity. And just as we saw the nation of Israel, as they had been given those promises yet turned their back against God, God drove them out of that promised land. I'll tell you, if we turn our back against God and we walk away from Him, He'll punish us. He's made that promise. And when God makes promises, you can count on them. He'll make them good. How are you living tonight? With regard to God's promises, are you submitting to Him in every aspect of your life? Are you submitting to Him in becoming a Christian? Are you submitting to Him in living the way that you should? If you're not, there's no better time than right now to make that right. If we can help you, will you let us know while we stand, while we sing?